Welcome to episode 14 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with PsychArmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to psychormer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. This week, I'm having a conversation with Steve Schwab, Chief Executive Officer of the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and the Chair of the Board of Directors for PsychArmor. As CEO of the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, Steve spearheads the country's preeminent organization empowering, supporting, and honoring military and veteran caregivers. He's a national leader and a voice for the nation's 5.5 million military and veteran caregivers and their families. He has closely advised senior leaders in every sector, addressed audiences around the country, and testified before Congress about the challenges faced by America's military caregivers and how our nation can do more to support these incredible hidden heroes. You can find out more about Steve by taking a look at his bio in our show notes. Now let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Both in New York and Washington, D.C., you've been involved in leadership and policy for a number of different organizations. Uh, much of your work now was focused on supporting the military-affiliated population. I'm curious to hear how you arrived to where you are as a nationally recognized advocate for service members, veterans, and their families. Ever since I was a kid, and I know this this sounds kind of corny, but I've always wanted to live a life of service. I remember in the early 1980s writing a note in colored pencil to Ronald Reagan, thanking him for being our president and telling him that I hoped someday that I could serve my fellow Americans as nobly as, as the United States president, maybe someday be the United States president. I think I was about six or seven years old at the time. But back then, and a little different from now, there was a nobility to, to public service and to, to the political offices that grace our land. And things have changed since then. Service to me now is in the form of serving my community through cause organizations rather than political office. I spent years in government and loved my roles serving my fellow citizens, but I recognized, truly recognized, that a lot of the grassroots work that happens in this country, a lot of the impactful work that happens for my fellow Americans happens inside of organizations like PsychArmor and the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. And so that really led me to pursue service beyond my government service in the nonprofit world. And I never thought that would lead me to a life now almost eight years in serving the military and veteran community. But I don't think I also ever imagined that I could have a job that I'm as passionate about every single morning getting out of bed as serving the less than 1% of America who fights to serve us and protect our freedom and security all around the world. There are the men and women who allow us to truly call ourselves Americans. And it's my long nonprofit work, my track record as a leader, my ability to bring 
diverse people and organizations and funders and communities together that led me to an introduction to Elizabeth Dole. And I broke the cardinal rule of consulting. I started to work for her as a consultant when she had this idea to start an organization to serve those who serve veterans, to serve the millions and millions of hidden heroes across the country who are struggling every single day to support their veterans and their active service military loved ones who are injured and living at home and recovering at home. And uh, nobody was talking about them. One of the most distinguished and noteworthy and passionate caregivers in this country is, in fact, Elizabeth Dole, who's been caring for her husband, Bob Dole, through all of his medical ups and downs over many decades. We're about to celebrate our 10th anniversary next year. We mm. built an organization completely dedicated to these families, grown it to a force to be reckoned with in 160 communities all around the country. And we get to partner with incredible organizations like Psych Armor. You know, it's very interesting talking about that early idea of wanting to serve. And I agree that there was a prestige maybe to that concept. My father, who was a Vietnam veteran who went into law enforcement after Vietnam, and he was a chief of security for a, a university around St. Louis. And I remember Henry Kissinger coming and talking. And I was there probably about the same age as you are and watching Henry Kissinger. There was a prestige at that time. And then that sort of public service, but then military service, maybe those two things were separate, uh, but then that kind of combined together for you. But then you found, I think, that the service is less prestigious and more strenuous. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm someone who believes that every single American, I'm one of seven boys. I have six brothers in my family and 15 nieces and nephews. I'm the second youngest single at this point, but I'm a parent to all 15 of my nieces and nephews. And I tell every single one of them that I think it's vital that they perform some kind of national service when they graduate from college or while they're in high school. And I think almost all of them have, or many of them are on their way to doing so. And I think that's something we should require of our young citizens all across the country. Service and selflessness are within each of us as Americans. Sometimes we don't realize that. Sometimes we don't bring it to the surface. And our the vitriol and the hatred and the divisiveness that has plagued our country of late, I think, has pushed against some of those tendencies in people. But you look at our military men and women since the beginning of time, and that has always been true of them. It's a selflessness that is beyond the definition of selflessness. Willingness to give their lives to defend and protect Every single one of us, and most of us, the 99% of Americans who've never served in the military or never will, we actually really have no idea what these men and women go through and their families because it's a holistic, it's a collective service. When a veteran serves, be it a man or a woman, the spouse serves, the children serves, the extended family serve. And there's a whole track of activities and, and a lifestyle that happens on the way into the service during their service, and then everything changes when they leave. All of a sudden, they may be in Fallujah or Kabul, any one of the major military fronts where we have lots of servicemen and women right now. They may be there on a Saturday, and the following Saturday, when they're discharged, they're back home standing in Target. And maybe they've served three or four years, maybe a decade, maybe a couple decades, but life changes for them in an instant. And we take for granted in this country what it takes to support the transition of those military folks and their families while they're also confronting, for many of them, some pretty big demons 
as a result of what they've seen, what they've experienced. I've been in this work now eight years. I do it humbly because I haven't been in those theaters of war, but I've seen the consequences of service. And yet I still see in all of those veterans, in all of those military family members, a selflessness that continues, motivation to continue to serve, even if they're facing debilitating mental and emotional wounds and injuries or physical wounds and injuries. Um, Friends with some of the most physically disabled veterans who've lost limbs as a result of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And what do they do now after they've had 100 plus surgeries? They're serving. They're still serving as community ambassadors, as advocates, as, as community organizers, as civic leaders for the men and women, their brothers and sisters in the military. It's an inspiring and honorable, back to that nobility definition that you and I talked about, military service and the men and women who represent us, they are the true definition of that nobility that we talked about. And I think there's a necessity like you said, for those who may not have served like yourself to step into that gap and to understand more about the sacrifices. You're absolutely right about parents and and spouses and children serving alongside. My father had two sons in Afghanistan at the same time. And and that kind of thing can be important, but also in your role as chairman of the board for PsychArmor, you play a significant role in helping bridge that gap, helping inform individuals who may not have that understanding. What is it about the mission of PsychArmor that made you want to get involved with the organization and help to inform those who haven't served about military service? I just talked about the fact that there is this huge disconnect between those who serve and those who don't. And I was fortunate to be tapped on the shoulder and asked to serve in yet another way by getting involved in PsychArmor about six years ago shortly after the organization was founded, around this concept of educating and supporting and inspiring the 99% of Americans who don't serve. And how are we going to do that? By offering them inspiring education and content that will educate them on some of the things that you and I just talked about, what it means to serve and what the effects are of serving on what Susie and Joe in in San Diego, California, or Jacksonville, Florida, or San Antonio, Texas, where there are large populations of military personnel, what they can do to serve their neighbors and friends who've served. And in defense of the 99% of Americans who haven't served, they may be serving our country like me in other ways. Military service isn't for everyone, but service is something America is known for all across the world. And so PsychArmor was founded around that concept around the concept of serving. And we have built the most diverse, compelling, knowledge-based, fact-based, story-based library of content and courses and educational materials that are utilized by corporations all over the country, really all over the world, healthcare systems, community organizations like the one I lead at the Elizabeth Dole Foundation to educate so many more folks that we all need to to support our military men and women, to support this concept of service, to arm our citizens. We are in the longest period of war in U.S. history. And most people forget that because these conflicts are not in the headlines on CNN or, or MSNBC or Fox. You're not turning on the television these days and seeing the images that still are happening in the theater of, of war all over the world. And you're certainly not seeing images of what's happening in homes all across the country. The images and the stories 
that we see at Psych Armor and at the Elizabeth Dole Foundation as families come home. I like to say that we are on the front lines of the war at home now. And for a lot of families, they are they are battling a war at home. The war has come home with them. And on the front lines of the war at home are spouses and parents and siblings and other loved ones who are supporting their veterans and service members. And so Psych Armor has done something that no one else had dared to do, which is to bridge that military-civilian divide to find ways to inspire whole communities and whole corporations. And what we've seen happen over the course of the years we've been in business, so to speak, is so many people admitting uh, and acknowledging that they had no idea what the implications of war were on their neighbors, or they didn't know they should ask inside their company whether there's a veteran or a caregiver or a military spouse and a, a company who didn't understand that there are certain ways to train and retain and empower veterans or military service personnel who now work across their workforce. Take Comcast, NBC, Universal, who one of the big supporters of Psych Armor that gave us a big grant to create an employment school, a school to, to help educate employers on how to retain and recruit and and train veterans and service members and a selfless act on the part of a, a global company, uh, at least a national company and one of the biggest in the country. And all of a sudden, hundreds of other companies are benefiting from from what Comgast enabled Psych Armor to do. And there's story after story at Psych Armor about how we've changed lives. And I joined the board and was eventually asked to serve as board chair. I've been in that role, I think, four or five years, and no one's kicked me out yet. But our mission has evolved. We have an incredibly visionary CEO and Tina Atherall, who continues to stay on the front lines of how we educate and how we break down content into digestible, compelling ways. We weren't doing podcasts six or seven years ago the way that we are now. So communication and you know information is delivered in different ways. And so PsychArmor stays on the on the edge of that and ensures that we're delivering information and education in ways that people are going to actually benefit and take action. And I think that's very critical. Like you said, a lot of people, they sort of know cognitively, but they really don't have that awareness of really how long this has been going on. This is the country's first cross-generational declared conflict. My son was born one month before 9-11. I mean, he's not in the military, but he could enlist and go fight in the same places, literally, that I served in Afghanistan. That's never happened before. And, and I think that level of awareness it does have to be brought forth by organizations like Psych Armor, but also the complexity of it where no one organization can solve everything. And I think really, in addition to your role at Psych Armor, your job is the CEO of the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, which is also focusing on not military in general, but a very specific population of caregivers and spouses. I'm wondering how you see your role as CEO in the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and board chair at Psych Armor, how those roles overlap and intersect. Yeah. You know, if I, um, when I said to Marjorie Morrison, who was the founder of Psych Armor and who asked me to serve as board chair, I said yes, pretty immediately because the work Psych Armor accomplishes is an extension and a necessary ingredient of the work that I lead every single day at the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. I mentioned earlier that there are millions and millions of parents and children and siblings who are quietly, selflessly, and compellingly providing, in many cases, 24-7 care in their homes 
in every corner of this country. Modern military medicine, veteran medicine, has moved from an institutional setting to a home setting. And that's true of a lot of medicine, especially during this pandemic. We've all of a sudden realized that talking to our physicians and our frontline nurse practitioners and physician's assistants, it's okay to do virtually, right? You can deliver care virtually. The military has been on the front lines of that far ahead of the civilian population. It usually is true. Military and veteran medicine usually is, sets the trends for civilian medicine. And so many of our men and women have moved to convalescing at home. But the system that supports their recovery hasn't been as fast to evolve. And so that means that those moms and dads and and brothers and sisters and, and children have been left with very little formal support in countless homes across America. And you go to some homes and it looks like an intensive care unit has been created in a converted living room. Uh, and there's countless examples of that in many of the families that we serve. And what that's meant for us at the Dole Foundation has been inspiring. We now work in 160 communities across the country to work with mayors and county executives and faith-based organization leaders and the people at the United Way and the YMCA and others, and all, all in partnership with the VA, DOD, and other community providers to understand where those folks are, what support they need, and how to deliver it. And then we're delivering direct services in the form of respite care and financial support and education through partners like PsychArmor. You said it really well earlier, no one organization or even just a few organizations can solve what is really a crisis in this country, which is delivering effective care support for veteran families who are transitioning and, and rehabilitating and recovering. It takes a diverse coalition of folks to do it. And we've built that at the Dole Foundation. We've built that at PsychArmor. We have a really close alignment and partnership. PsychArmor has built an entire suite of courses and content for us to use to educate doctors, nurses, and social workers in a brand new cutting-edge, groundbreaking program at the VA. We're teaching doctors, nurses, social workers, PTs, anybody who's interacting with patients on how to engage families from the very first day, how to integrate them into the medical team from day one so that there is a seamless integration of the family all throughout the care process. Doctors aren't taught that. Nurses aren't taught that. And it's not intuitive to any single one of them, but they're under a lot of pressure. But what we have found through these incredible courses that we've partnered and developed with PsychArmor is that doctors love them. They love learning tactics and best practices on how to work with families. They see the value in pulling them in from the very first day. They see the transformation that can happen in the, the lives of their patient. Ultimately, that's why these folks work at the VA. But doctors don't always choose to be at a veteran facility when they do, that they believe in their work. So these are incredible men and women, dedicated, mission-oriented people. And for us to be able to offer them this content that can change the lives of the hidden populations that we serve, that's what I talked about. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It is. And I get to do it in my daily work at, at EDF, at the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, and in my work as board chair at PsychArmor. So I'll be as involved at PsychArmor as long as they'll, they'll have me because we need each other to, to accomplish our missions. 
No, I, I really appreciate that. And again, it goes back to that idea of being able to serve a noble purpose, not for the external prestige, but for the meaningfulness of it. And, and I am a huge fan and often as a clinical mental health professional, do refer my clients to the services at the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. I am a fan of what you do and obviously a fan of what PsychArmor does. So Steve, if somebody wanted to find out more about what the Elizabeth Dole Foundation is or find out more about the work that you do, how can they get in touch with you or find out some of the things that you have going on? Yeah, I would encourage them. If you're a caregiver or military family member, I'd encourage you to go to hiddenheroes.org. Hidden Heroes is is a virtual site community destination that we've set up as a portal, as a window into all the services and supports available through EDF and our partners like PsychArmor. You can join a thriving online community of your peers, which is Usually the first place we like to suggest a caregiver go is to join that online community because many of them, many of you, if you're listening, believe they're the only person dealing with the kinds of issues they are, but but there are so many more folks who are. So hiddenheroes.org for those facing these battles at home and the elizabethdolefoundation.org for anyone who wants to find out about your organization and what we do. That's great. I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Steve. Thanks so much for having me, Dwayne. I really, I really loved it. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. So what does it mean to be in service or to serve others? As Steve identified in our conversation, service to others has been a significant theme in his life, as it is in the lives of many who served in the military and those who support them. In fact, it is very difficult to describe the time one spent in the military without literally using the word service. You serve in the military. The different branches are described as military services. The collective name for those individuals who are currently in the military is literally called service members. The concept of service, of putting the needs of others before your own, is an ingrained value in those who chose the military as an occupation. Now, I don't want to give the impression that all those who choose to join the military do so out of a desire to be of service to their country. There are some real benefits to serving in the military, non-tangible ones like leadership and values development, and tangible ones like health care for family members and assistance with education. One doesn't cancel the other out, however, and the person serving themselves doesn't always have a clear reason why they did it. One research study showed that individuals join the military for one of four reasons. Institutional, a desire to serve, patriotism, or a desire for adventure or challenge. Future-oriented, a desire for a military career or money for college. Occupational, the need to support a family or that it is the best available option. Or financial, repayment of college loans and bonuses. Often, we may think we're going in for one reason, but then find out that there are really other reasons underlying that. When I joined the Army in the early 90s, I thought my reason for joining the military was future-oriented, to get money for college. I didn't realize that I wasn't any good at college at that point, and what I was really motivated by was institutional, excitement, adventure, and really wild things, but also financial, because I got an enlistment bonus, and occupational, because I was tired of living in my dad's basement. Regardless of those reasons, however, I very quickly ingrained selfless service as a value, as did many others who served. Never tell your troops to do what you're not prepared to do. If your soldiers are wet, hungry, and tired, you should be wet, hungry, and tired. A line in the Army's Creed of Non-Commissioned Officer, I will not use my greater position for pleasure, profit, or personal safety. 
service on behalf of the nation, on behalf of others, is literally part of the lifeblood of those who choose the military lifestyle. But as Steve pointed out, military service isn't for everyone, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's not even possible. As large as the military is, it's not large enough to provide an opportunity for all 21 million 20 to 24-year-olds in the United States. While military service is one way to put the community's needs before your own, there are hundreds of other ways to do so. So whether it's engaging in volunteer service in the community, serving on a local school board, working with nonprofits to address inequities in food, housing, healthcare, or social justice, service is service, and all are welcome. A second point that I would like to make is that both the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and PsychArmor are doing some very important work, but none of them may be more important than bringing awareness to the unique culture, characteristics, and impact of military service. Military service is becoming increasingly rare, and those who served, while admired, are less understood by those who haven't served. And the impact of military service on family members is even less well-known. As Steve said, there is a significant group of silent heroes that are caring for wounded, ill, or injured service members. That can run the gamut from my wife and kids understanding when I get a certain look in my eye on a certain day of the year, to the impromptu intensive care units set up in living rooms across the country. Steve's statement of the fact that modern military medicine has moved from an institutional setting to a home setting is accurate. Even I, as a mental health counselor, only see my clients once a week or every other week for an hour. Their families, their friends are with them much, much more. I was once having a conversation with Joseph Bartosi, the president of the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Mr. Bartosi is a Blue Star parent, a father to two service members. One thing he said has stayed with me. He said, as parents, you understand and expect that you'll have to worry about your children while they're in the military. No one ever told you that you would have to worry about them for the rest of their lives as a result of that military service. Again, this isn't necessarily about being an active caregiver but just the impact of military service on family, parents, sibling, children, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, add in the need to provide support and even medical care to service members and the challenges get even greater. Awareness is key to supporting those who support their service member or veteran. Awareness is a first step to any change, either individually or collectively. We can't change something that we're not aware of. However, awareness by itself is not enough. Awareness doesn't lead to change unless it is paired with action. And that is exactly what Steve and the Elizabeth Dole Foundation does. Increase awareness and then take action as a result of that awareness. I highly recommend that you find out more about what they're doing and how you can join them. One way for you to take action is to share the Psych Armor Resource of the Week with a caregiver that you might know. Sponsored by the USAA Foundation and in collaboration with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation's Hidden Heroes Campaign, Psych Armor provides a caregiver support program that provides resources and recognition to those caregivers who support those who served. After completing the program requirements, which includes taking courses specifically designed for caregivers and joining the Hidden Heroes community, participants will receive a Caregiver's Experience Binder and a certificate signed by Senator Elizabeth Dole and PsychArmor CEO Tina Atherall. These resources and recognition are provided free of charge and are a small token of appreciation for those who care for those who served. To access the program, see the link in the show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM14, as well as on the Psycharmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. 
Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.